Good morning, church. Got that extra hour of sleep, huh? Awesome. I know it was helpful for me. In case we haven't met, my name is Jeff Brookshire, and I am the growth pastor around here, and I have something to say today that may sound a little strange, but I'm going to go for it anyway. I love Jesus the Savior, but it's Jesus the Lord that I wrestle with. I love Jesus the Savior. Uh, many years ago on an Easter Sunday morning, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and Lord. I was in college at the time. And all of the way I can describe it is I had a, a black hole in the middle of my soul. <laughs> it was a heaviness, a restrictiveness, a, an emptiness, a loneliness that I tried to fill with all sorts of things. Tried to fill it with marijuana, tried to fill it with lots and lots and lots of alcohol. Tried to fill it with inappropriate sexual relationships. Tried to fill it with um, overachieving in school, um, workaholism, friendships, entertainment, you name it. I tried to fill that black hole in the middle of my soul. And nothing filled it. In fact, it, se- it seemed like it just kept getting bigger and bigger. Well, it was an Easter weekend, and I went home to see my family from college, and um, my dad is a United Methodist pastor, and so I knew I'd have to go to church. Even though I wasn't going to church at the time when I was in college, I knew I'd have to go. So I went, and I sat, and I listened to him preach for what must have been, you know, the thousandth time. You know, I heard him all through my life, but this time was different. As I sat on that hard wooden pew, He talked about how Jesus on a Friday was stone cold dead. His brain waves weren't registering. His lungs weren't breathing. His heart wasn't beating. He was dead on Friday, all day Saturday, into early Sunday. But then he said, Jesus rose from the dead. And he started talking about how he conquered one of humankind's greatest fears of dying. He conquered death. And sin, and he conquered the evil one. And as I sat there and I heard him talking about how Jesus was dead and now was alive, I started thinking, if Jesus can do that, then certainly he can do something with this black hole in the middle of my soul. Certainly he could fill what I haven't been able to fill before. So I got up from my seat and I got Glenn and Lorraine Garrett. They're Two older couple that through my high school years kind of took me under their wing and they're no longer living, but I still honor them every time I tell this story. And went down to the front and we kneeled at the altar. And I just prayed in a simple way. It was an elaborate prayer. I just said, Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. I promise to follow you as the leader of my life. And then the bottle knocked over. And I heard this ringing from heaven. (laughs) It was beautiful. (laughs) I came to realize uh, sometime afterwards that, um, that Jesus forgave me unconditionally. I didn't have to be perfect first to then be forgiven. Jesus forgave me. I didn't have to have it all together first for Jesus to forgive me. Jesus Forgave me. I didn't have to do any kind of religious kind of thing for him to forgive me. Jesus just forgave me. The Bible calls that grace. 
getting what you do not deserve, grace. There are many places in the Bible that describes this, but one of my favorites is in John's first letter in the Bible. The first chapter, verses 8 and 9. He says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that awesome? Oh, how I love Jesus the Savior. It's Jesus the Lord that I wrestle with. (laughs) Now, Lord is not a word that we use a whole lot, but the scripture is very plain in saying that when we become Christians, we not only receive Jesus' forgiveness as our Savior, but then we make a commitment. We make a promise to him to follow him as the Lord of our lives. So what does Lord mean? Well, Lord simply means that we make Jesus the sovereign king over our lives, who has the right to tell us what to do, when to do it, how to do it, where to do it, and then expect us to do it. Lordship means that we surrender our rights over to Jesus. We surrender our freedom for a better freedom. We surrender our right to go where we want to go. We now go where Jesus wants us to go. We surrender our right to do what we want to do. We do what Jesus wants us to do. We surrender our right to be who we want to be. We are who Jesus wants us to be. We surrender our rights to our finances, to our time, our possessions, our entertainment, our relationships, our vocation, our everything. That's what it means to make Jesus as your Lord. I'm losing some of you. And I know it because I've been where you're at. This all sounds so heavy and oppressive and restrictive. And it is. If you don't know what kind of Lord Jesus is. Today, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about what kind of Lord we have. And so I'm going to read a passage of Scripture that's kind of long. You can see it on your handouts there. It's kind of long. It's longer than what we usually read in one chunk here. But I want to read it in one big chunk. And this is what I want to say to you. Um, For several years, I taught a class called Bible 101. Because I realized that people were struggling when they picked up the Bible and were trying to read it like they read any other book. They'd start at the first page and try to read to the end. And they'd get to Leviticus and they would die. (laughs) Right? They would just die. And so what I tried to explain was, is that the Bible is a library. Right? It's got letters in it. It's got songs in it. It's got history books in it. It's got all sorts of different kinds of literature in it. And so I taught him that. And one of the things I taught him was that when you read the Bible, don't get hung up on the things you don't understand. Focus on the things that you do understand and then apply those to your life. In fact, here's one of my favorite quotes from the great American Mark Twain. Is it up there on the screen? Yeah. It ain't the parts that I don't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. Right? So what he's saying there is, Uh, Just take what you can, 
what you understand and then apply it to your life. That's what I want us to do with this scripture today. So you should have a pen with your handout. And what I'd like for you to do is, as I, as I go through this, underline the parts that you do understand. All right. As you can see, this is, this is my Bible. I've had, I've got several of these, but you can see there's, if you just look at this, there's probably an outline or an underline on every page. That's how I stay engaged. That's how I learn when I'm reading the scriptures. Okay, so that's what we're going to do together right now. Jesus said, Verily, truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So in this passage, Jesus obviously is describing himself as a shepherd, right? Which would have made a lot of sense to the people in his day and time, 2,000 years ago in Israel, because 2,000 years ago in Israel, there were a lot of sheep. A lot of sheep, meaning there were a lot of shepherds there. You might remember that one of the first groups that heard about Jesus' birth were shepherds who were taking care of their flocks in the fields at night. Or you might also remember that probably the greatest king in Israel, King David, wasn't a prince who got to be king because his daddy was king. He was a king that was called out of the shepherd fields. He was a shepherd boy that was called by God to reign as king over Israel. In fact, the shepherd king, um, King David, wrote Psalm 23. The famous one that we often hear at funerals, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jesus calls himself a shepherd, which in this imagery makes us what? Sheep, right? Makes us sheep, which also is a theme that runs through the Old Testament. In Psalm 100, it says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us 
And we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So in this imagery, we've got Jesus as the shepherd. We are the sheep. But what kind of shepherd is Jesus? What is the adjective that he uses? Good. He is the good shepherd. But what makes him so good? What makes him such a good shepherd? What makes him such a good Lord? There's three things that just jump off the page at me when I read this passage. First of all, the shepherd, the good shepherd knows his sheep. He knows his sheep. He says, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. Jesus knows you intimately. He doesn't, he doesn't need to just kind of say to you generically, hey, you with the Batman shirt and the hat, come here, right? He knows you by name. He knows every, he doesn't need us to wear name tags, which I was hoping we'd have name tags today, so that would be funny. <laughs> so much for that. He doesn't need us to wear name tags, right? He knows our name. He knows our first name, our middle name, our last name, our maiden name. He knows our nicknames. He knows the names that our parents called us when we were little. He knows the names that people called us behind our backs. (laughs) He knows us by name. He doesn't have to do the generic, hey, y'all, come over here. He knows you by name and calls you by name. He knows you so intimately that he doesn't need to go to Ancestors.com to find out who your ancestors are. He knows your family tree. He knows the great, 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 great. He knows the branches of the family tree that you wish he would forget. We all got them, right? He knows everything about you. The king, The shepherd king David said, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. The good shepherd knows everything about you. The good, the bad, the ugly. He knows your likes and your dislikes, your hopes and your dreams, your history and your past. He knows your hurts and your wounds. He knows your successes and your failures, your thoughts and your feelings, your sins and your good deeds. He knows everything about you and here's the good news. Jesus knows you intimately. And he loves you. Hmm. Even when nobody else in the entire world loves you. Jesus loves you. Even when you don't feel like Jesus loves you. Doesn't matter to Jesus. Jesus still loves you. He knows you. And he loves you. How do I know that? Well, the second thing that jumps off the page to me is that the shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. On the cross, on that hill called Calvary, just outside of the walls of Jerusalem, Jesus willingly, and that's a key word there in the sentence, willingly 
went to the cross and died. His brain waves stopped registering, his lungs stopped breathing, his heart stopped beating. He died. And if he hadn't, friends, if he hadn't died on the cross, taking upon himself all of the sins of the world, taking the punishment that should have been yours, that should have been mine, upon himself, if he hadn't gone to the cross and died, laying down his life for the sheep, we would have no forgiveness of sins, no hope for heaven. We would only have the dread of hell. But Jesus loved us so much that he, the good shepherd, laid down his life for us. I love this passage in Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you ever think about memorizing scripture, there's a good one. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we finally got it perfect, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners. Not when we finally got it all together, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He is one who knows us, knows everything about us, who willingly went to the cross and died for us. And who loves us. And not only that, but the good shepherd has the best interest in mind for his sheep. The very best interest. Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have what? What? And have it to the what? To the full. Not just have life, but to have a fullness of life. That's the kind of shepherd that we have. That's the kind of Lord that we have. So when we give Jesus the sovereign right over our lives, when we turn that over to him and say, Lord, I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to be who you want me to be. I'm going to go where you want me to go. We can always rest assured that he has our best interest in mind, even when we don't see it first. As Chris was saying earlier, sometimes you got to step out before you know what's best for you. You just step out because that's when you see that the Lord is out front leading. That's when you see him is when you hear him call and you step out and you follow him. You can always be rest assured that Jesus can give you a life that is better than you can give yourself. That's the kind of Lord, that's the kind of shepherd that we have. In short, we have a shepherd that we can trust. So I have three questions today for you. The first question is, do you know the good shepherd? Do you know him? Jesus said this. He said, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Maybe today you were like me sitting in that, that pew in Brookston, Indiana, in that Methodist church, feeling that black hole in the middle of your soul. 
Maybe you have been trying to fill it with all sorts of other things as well. Today can be your salvation day. Today can be the day Jesus is talking about you in this passage. He's saying, I have other sheep that I must bring in also. They too will hear my voice. Listen to that, friends. Today can be the day. When you become a part of the sheep and become a part of the flock, if you will, of following Jesus into life in all of its fullness. Now to do that, you don't have to be fancy. You don't even have to be skilled at praying. All you have to do is say, Jesus, please forgive me. I promise to follow you. That's it. As long as you say it in a sincere way, that's all that matters to Jesus is your sincerity. But I have two other questions as well. These are for those who are Christians, who are a part of the sheep pen. The first is, are you training your spiritual ear to hear his voice? Let's be very clear about this. In our um, lifetime, from the time that we were born until now, our ears have been trained not to hear the Lord. Our ears have been trained to hear all sorts of other things, all sorts of other noise that is out there. Satan, the wolf that Jesus talks about in, in this passage, he's also described as a lion that is roaming to and fro the earth. He is described as a great serpent. He is described in many different ways. He has been training our ear to listen to anything else but to the ear of the shepherd. We have to retrain our hearing. We have to retrain our spiritual ears to hear the voice of the good shepherd. Now you may think, I don't think I can ever do that. That sounds like something that preachers are able to do. Nope. Anybody who is a follower of Jesus Christ can train their ear to hear the voice of the good shepherd. And this is how you do it. Two things. Read God's word in the Bible. And regularly converse with him in prayer. You know, I hear people say, you know, God doesn't speak to me. God doesn't speak to me anymore. I say, you know, just read the Bible. The Holy Spirit is amazing. The Holy Spirit comes along and works alongside these words and speaks into your spirit. And the more that you read this, the more you recognize Jesus' voice and not the other voices that are out there. The more that you talk with him, and you not only just talk with him, but sometimes sit and listen to hear what he might have to say, then you start training your spiritual ear to hear the voice of the shepherd. So enough with the excuses. I know what the excuses are. I've used them. It's time to start being regular in God's word, reading the Bible, hearing his voice, and talking to him in prayer. The third question that I have for you is lost. <laughs> there it is. Where in your life are you choosing not to follow the shepherd? The Bible says this. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. 
Now that not, may not make a lot of sense because we don't live around a lot of sheep, but this is one thing I know about sheep. Sheep are very focused on this right here. So this is why she- sheep need a shepherd. They're eating a piece of grass here, and the shepherd, let's say the shepherd's right here, and then the sheep sees a little patch here, and then a little patch here and over here and over here. And so that's why a sheep needs a shepherd, because the sheep doesn't take the time from looking at this to actually look up and look around to see where it is. So when it's over here, what is it vulnerable to? Wolves, right? Or thieves and robbers as well. In fact, sheep have been known to be so focused on this that they go like this and then fall off cliffs. Bah, 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 splat. (laughs) Right? They've been known to do that because they're focused on this. Does anybody else relate to this? Sleep, eat, work, chores. Sleep, eat, work chores and don't spend the time to look up and look around you know one of the things i've been doing lately when i take the dog out first thing in the morning is look up to see if i could see the stars that has made a difference to me because then when i do see the stars not every day it hasn't been much lately but when i do see them i think wow god you are so much bigger than i am today and i'm going to trust in you We've got to look up and trust. And I know there are things in our lives that we are not listening to the shepherd, that we're not following him. There are things in our lives that we're choosing not to follow him in. But now is the time to get back on track. Now is the time, as it says in First Peter, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Today is a day of commitment. Every single one of us can make a prayer to Jesus today about something in our lives. Maybe it's just the prayer of Jesus, please forgive me. I want to follow you as my Lord. Or maybe it's Jesus, I want to hear your voice. Please train my ear to hear you. Or maybe it's Jesus, I confess to you this disobedience. I repent of my sin. I'm coming back to you. Whatever it is, spend your time now in this silence praying to him in prayer. Oh, Lord, you are the good shepherd. We shall not want. You make us lie down in green pastures. You leadeth us beside the still waters. You restoreth our soul. You leadeth us in the paths of righteousness for your namesake. 
Yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, Lord, for you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. You prepare us a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Our cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. To ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord. Or if you just want prayer, I invite you to see Pastor Rod or see myself. We've spent a lot of time walking with people through the first stages of discovering how to walk with the Lord. I invite you to make that known. Tell somebody and begin that wonderful journey. Thanks.